Hello there. This is Chris's audiobook journal for March 20th, 2019. It is Women's History Month, so my kiddo and I have been reading through a stack of children's books about women's history, mostly picture book biographies. I love picture book biographies, and I think we are in a golden age of picture book biographies right now. Um, and we've had some great ones, and of course we've had some duds. One that we've really, really enjoyed that I highly recommend um, is Solving the Puzzle Under the Sea. It's a story of Marie Tharp, who mapped the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, just learning so much about women that we didn't know about, as well as getting biographies of Ada Lovelace, Juliet Gordon-Lowe, Clara Barton, Bessie Coleman, and all kinds of great women from history. Um, I got these books in a couple of ways. The primary one was I went through my own TBR picture book list and just put a hold on everything that was about a famous woman and one of the ones that was on the list was a book called Different Like Coco which was a picture book biography of Coco Chanel and I had seen it a couple of months ago in a bookstore which is how it got onto my TBR list um, and I put it up on Goodreads when we were done reading it and I was debating whether to give it a three star or a four star recommendation. And I ended up with three primarily because of what I'm going to talk about with Coco Chanel and a comment was made by a friend of mine. And I love this friend and I love this conversation because 99% of the time on the internet, these, in, in, these particular conversations do not go well. Um, but this is someone I respect, a librarian, a reader, a friend who I knew would approach things with, um, with the goal of having conversation in mind. And her response was, I never know what to do with children's book biographies of somebody like Coco Chanel because she was a Nazi spy. And I completely and totally understand that. And I said to her, that's one of the reasons that I gave the book three stars rather than four, because I feel like it's a four star book, but because it doesn't really mention this elephant in the room, it gets three stars. But I won't go as far as to say that I won't read it. And this is a really tough one, and I'm not going to answer this conversation. I'm not going to solve this problem today. I just want to pop in quickly and address it because it's been on my mind, and I just want to put it out there that I don't know what to do with complicated figures from history, and pretty much everybody in history is a complicated figure because nobody is all one thing. I mean, it's very, very rare. Okay, Hitler is a terrible person and a universally terrible person and doesn't have two sides, but that's a rare thing. Most people have the good that they've done and the terrible and they're blended together and mixed together in complicated ways that make it hard to separate one from the other. Now, what I will say about this book is it came out in 2007 and we've learned more about Coco Chanel's involvement with the Nazis since that time. I think if it were to come out now, it would have to be different, but also because the time is different and how we judge the way people are portrayed is also different. So the fact that we know more about Coco Chanel is a good thing. The fact that I think we live in more censoring times when it comes to the life of people makes me a little nervous. Um, if you don't know the story of Coco Chanel, it's pretty easy to look up, but she basically had an affair with a Nazi during the war. We knew that in 2007 when the book came out. And the book very gently touches on her relationship with this person who was a German who she didn't marry, but doesn't go into the details. What we have found out in the years since then, or at least what I have found out, I don't think I would have known in 2007, is that her relationship goes much deeper and she was a, a virulent anti-Semite and a Nazi spy. She's not alone in that, by the way. <laughs> I think 
it's really, really easy to diminish the role of Nazi sympathizers, especially Nazi sympathizers of the higher classes in Britain, in France, and in America in the 1930s. Um, I was just listening to a History Chicks episode this week on Audrey Hepburn, who's not a Nazi sympathizer. I want to put that out there right away. But her parents were. Um, and that was actually very common in the late 30s to have upper-class people be in support of the Nazis because it was this hearkening back to a, a better time for the upper classes. You know, before before the First World War, the upper class was kind of in charge and ran everything. After that war, there was a leveling out of society where your chauffeurs and your maids and your people in service suddenly have more options in life and they are not willing to work for you in the way that they once did. So there's this nostalgia factor among the upper class and the sort of Nazi movement gave them that ability to get that back, to get the society back that they were missing. So there's a huge amount of Nazi sympathizing happening. Um, everybody from, you know, high-class Gilded Age people in New York to the King of England who abdicated the throne, um, Edward, who left to marry his New York fiancé, his New York divorced fiancé, was definitely a Nazi sympathizer. So this is not unusual um, at all. It doesn't make it a good thing, but I think it's important to realize that that it's really easy when you look at history to think of the world as separated into a bunch of good people and bad actors. And I think we have a tendency to think that we are going to be on the good side. We look back through 70 years of history and we think, well, I never would have been a Nazi. We look back through 150 years of history and we think I would have never been a slaveholder. I would never have been those people. Those are the bad people. I'm the good guy. There's no question at all that being a Nazi sympathizer, being a slaveholder, being a, those people was a bad choice. It was a bad choice then. It's a bad choice now. But I think when we make it so personal that those are the bad guys, we let ourselves off the hook. We don't make ourselves work hard to think that could be anybody. If Andrew Jackson is capable of genocide, then we all are because there's a lot of good in Andrew Jackson. And I think it's too easy in this place and time we live in now to separate ourselves, to assume we would have been part of the Dutch resistance. We wouldn't have been Nazi sympathizers. Audrey Hepburn's family, by the way, was both. They made a transition during the war. Go listen to that history episode. It's really good. But um, we would have been those people. We wouldn't have been those people. Do any of us know how we would have acted in a situation? No. Do any of us know how we would have acted when we were faced with the complications of another time? No, we don't. Does that make those people any less bad guys? It does not. But I think when we dehumanize them and when we say they never did anything good, they never were anything good because they were that, it's not so much a judgment of that as it is a separation of ourselves from that. I think those of us that come from privilege, those of us that come from a certain background, those of us that come from a place in society where we've never had to fight our way up, always think we're going to be the good guys. And the truth of the matter is our people through time have not always been the good guys. People are complicated. Did Coco Chanel change fashion? Absolutely. Did she change the way that a woman's body was looked at and portrayed? Absolutely. Did she change the way fashion was run? Absolutely. Was she a Nazi spy? Absolutely. Do you take those, all those things and separate them out and only keep the good or only keep the bad? Now, this book doesn't do a good job of introducing the bad, which is a fair criticism of it. And I don't know how you do that in a book for children. I don't know how you explain Nazi spy in a book for children. That's complicated. 
But I think books generally do a terrible job of exploring the nuance. And I was trying to think of an example of a book that does a good job. Like, where is a book out there that speaks to complex characters, that helps us see ourselves in the bad guys? And it's been a long time since I've read it, but the one that comes to my head is Anne Frank, which makes all kinds of sense because, of course, this is a true story. Anne is not writing for publication. She's not on a second draft. She's not revising her characters. She's writing about these actual people in the actual world. And... It can be, if you start to read that book, really easy to see yourself as possibly being the bad guy. Like, you can see how some of her neighbors took the wrong side. People who knew these people. People who were watching their neighbors be rounded up. You know, we all want to be Meep. We all want to be the good guys who um, who helped the Frank family and snuck in their ration cards. But the truth of the matter, there's a, there's a lot of bad guys in there, too, that are just everyday people who, for whatever reason turned a blind eye, let it go, followed the the train. And I have to say, resistance or not, the war was very, very hard on the Dutch people. Um, even those who did not participate in the resistance um, did not do well under the Germans. And you can see, it's easy to start to see yourself as if you're a young parent who doesn't like the idea of watching your neighbors be sent away, your Jewish neighbors, but yet you don't want to step up forward and risk your own life and the life of your two-year-old child. You can see sympathy there where it would be easy to follow along. It's more complicated than it's portrayed as being. And like I said, I don't have a solution. I'm not going to come on in this episode and be able to solve this problem because it is a problem. But I think, unfortunately, what we're choosing to do in our modern age of literature is we're choosing to just try to only pick the good guys. As soon as somebody has an accusation in their past, a shadow in their past, a something human, some wrong choice that they made, we take them out of the canon. They're gone. And that feels like erasure to me. Um, Not because I think that we have to protect the people of white privilege who have, you know, whatever. It's not about that. It's about if we take that out of our canon, then we no longer see it in ourselves. And it doesn't help us. It doesn't help us move forward. It doesn't help us do the hard work of realizing that any of us can be a racist. Any of us can be a bigot. Any of us can be a Nazi. My family's German. They were out of Germany before the the Second World War, but I think to myself all the time, what to, what side would they have taken had they stayed? And I'm sure we have distant relatives who did stay. Um, my first world war was very, very, very hard on my mother's family. They they lived through the turnip winter in Germany and nearly starved. Those are the people that took the side of the Nazis in the Second World War. Is those people who had been through that. Because for them, this was a promise of that not happening again. It's the wrong choice. It's a bad choice. It's a horrific choice. It's also, if you really listen to the context, an understandable choice. And if we don't realize that, we don't protect ourselves from making those choices again. That scares me. I'm going to make this short today um, because I have a hard out. I have to go pick my kid up from school. So this is going to be, I'm going to leave you with that thought. Um, that's all I'm, I have to say today about that. Um, I'm ridiculously behind on show notes. I'm working on it. But if you go to my website, noextrawords.wordpress.com and don't find what you need there, all the books I'm talking about are on Goodreads. So that's a good place to go see me. Um, and also Instagram. I do want to hit you with a book recommendation you didn't ask for before I get out of here today. There's a couple of picture book biographers that would be great to start with if this is a genre that's unfamiliar to you. By the way, picture book biographies are not just for kids. They're a great way 
That's my alarm that tells me I have to pick up my kid. Hold on. Picture book biographies are an awesome way for adults to learn about figures that you didn't know about in history. Two authors I want you to keep in mind, Deborah Hopkinson, and then the author of today's picture book, by, uh, today's book recommendation you didn't ask for is Audrey Vernick. Andrew Vernick has written a couple of great picture book biographies on baseball, and my favorite is She Loved Baseball, the Effa Manley story. Effa Manley is, to this day, the only woman in the Baseball Hall of Fame, um, and that's a great introduction to her life story and really will broaden your entire view of the integration of Major League Baseball, which this time of year is a fun thing. I will be back hopefully next week to talk about graphic novels. In the meantime, I have a hard out. So thank you for joining me here on No Extra Words. Have a good day and a good week in reading.